All right, P-Dog, I think we are live in the test group this time. I think it was a great idea to have a test group because uh, we were making some uh, mistakes, and it's uh, not great for the branding when you're making those kind of mistakes. No doubt. Uh, all right, let's get on with the show. Okay. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, August sixth. It's a beautiful day out. For those who are wondering when. The date is so you can mark this down as being one of Pierre's worst facial hair days. It is today, August 6th. That's quite the stash, bro. You can stop that. Yeah. I know it's I know it's a, it's a live thing, but it's still around dinner time when there's some maybe kids watching. Yeah. I feel like that might be a little inappropriate. Well, you know what? A couple times a year, I got to shave off the whole face just to let everything grow back kind of evenly. And uh, I don't look very good without any upper lip hair so uh i gotta just <laughs> i gotta keep it on but uh you know i i drove around my bike today and i got some stairs uh yeah you know, that i believe word stairs but whatever whatever hey look hey is what it is it's a fu manchu if you can't tell but it's got the handlebars i can't um, tell no actually no can you tell now can you tell now? No, I can't tell now. <laughs> yeah. I do not have to shave. <laughs> yours is a lot less gray than mine, so. Uh, yours passes for blonde, though. Like, it kind of fades in with your hair, and then it's like, well, he's got a blonde beard. Whereas mine, I have no hair, and there, what I do have on my face is gray. All right. I found right. a. I tell you, I found a gray, uh, a gray eyebrow hair the other day. I wasn't sure where you're going with that. Eyebrow, eyebrow, eyebrow hair. Hey. <laughs> It's going to get gray, and it's going to go fast. We're already getting a comment there. Uh, Big Chris Couture says you look uh, you have a solid look going there, so that's good. Oh, hey, hey. thanks, Chris. I'm just happy that I'm not uh, echoing or that uh, this hasn't haywired yet. But, Brock, you want to explain to the listeners what we've done? Uh, in terms of the uh, – we have a the test. Internet? Oh. Oh. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke too soon. Uh. Well, about my – the internet and what we've done to my internet. Yeah, so we got uh, Pierre an adapter for his Ethernet, so he is plugged in directly. So hopefully, up yours Wi-Fi. Hopefully, it's solid. Um, now we're still playing with the technology. We're on Skype today, so I got Pierre coming in at Skype. We're using OBS, putting it all together, and then putting it out there. So we have some transitions. You know, I got these type of things. Pierre can't see them though. That's the problem. So we were able to do that last week. I think it was with Skype that we used, and I had a different method of bringing Pierre in, and then I had some other, I don't know, something else to make sure that he saw what I saw. So for the videos and the clips and the, uh, you know, we used uh, some some more graphics, the, the NHL and NBA standings, all that kind of stuff. We used that, and I needed him to be able to see it. Um, now, the listeners and viewers couldn't hear Pierre, and that was a mix-minus issue, but... Um, <laughs> Regardless, I, I really think no matter how hard we try to get this perfect, I think if we're going to be doing this, we got to be doing it together on the live stuff. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's good. I, I'm, eh. I'm down with an excuse to get together. It's been too long anyway. Um, and getting no into a regular thing where you say, you know what, Pep, you're part of my 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 group of 10. What's the uh, Ford say? You got to have those groups of about uh, 10 or less. And you got to stick to Is one that what group. he said? Yeah. See, I'm in the Quebec side, so it's 250 or less. Oh, yeah. Quebec. Oh, <laughs> hey. Why? Hey, we, hey, you feel good? Yes. Okay, 250. 250. Yeah. That's your test. Unbelievable. I'm going Unbelievable. for a test, yeah. How you feel? Good. <laughs> this, All right. This is, the same guy who shuts the border down like within seconds of of the virus, which I actually didn't necessarily disagree with, but anyway, just have some have some uh, rationale behind just saying, okay, well, we'll we'll up it to two fifty now because two fifty is a lot of people. That's a bar. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, when we were working at the Bulldog there, uh, the capacity was three hundred somewhere in that you know somewhere in that ballpark. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know what the actual capacity was. Um... <laughs> but I do know we were all very concerned when the fire marshal would come by. So we were we were very much over that. I don't know how many people we jammed into that place, but um, it was generally a little above the uh, the recommended threshold. Well, you know what? We're pretty lucky, Brock, because we don't necessarily need to be giving advice to anybody. Most of the people, all the people we know are intelligent. But uh, if we have any new listeners or friends of friends, like, listen, just we're not out of the woods, so uh, be socially responsible with your with your get-togethers and uh, and let's just all continue to do our part because we're kicking its ass for the most part. I think, you know, I think we're for the most part we're doing a great job. So, yeah, kudos everybody for you know yeah. again buying in and doing what you need to do, and I think overall we're we're moving the right direction. Um, well, but Brock, this is almost the perfect segue to my first topic. All right then. Literally the perfect segue. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, a number came out today. I guess we're officially starting our, starting our show agenda. I guess we're right. starting it. Do you have the headlines? I was going to say, do uh, I need a sound effect here? I think headlines might be the... Uh... Headlines with Brock and Pep. It's 24 degrees out today on a cool and breezy Thursday afternoon, and we've got headlines. 67 NFL players have dropped out of the season today, uh, this uh, this week, Brock. The deadline was this afternoon. Um, I was just going through the teams and the players, and, uh, you know, there's a couple teams that had nobody drop out. And then, conversely, there are a couple teams like the New England Patriots who had... Multiple players drop out. Not only multiple players, but key players in key positions. Uh, when I look at the Patriots, specifically their defense, uh, on on every level, they've lost guys. They've dropped out for the season. So, uh, A, what do you think about players dropping out? Uh, and B, specifically, uh, and I'm only going to uh, highlight the Patriots because it's such a who's who. Like, I'll just name off the yeah, players here. Dante, Dante Hightower. Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, uh, Brandon Bolden, you know, a third down back. Uh, their their fullback who doesn't play a lot, Danny Vitale, uh, another old lineman I've never heard of. Uh, Marquis Lee, a wide receiver who was supposed to step up this year. Uh, Matt Lacoste, their starting tight end. All these guys out. Uh, can they, uh, a question for you, can they opt back in? Uh, 
that I don't know the fine print, to be honest. Like, if they've opted out now and they say, you know, I've made that decision, and then, you know, two weeks out of the season, I guess we're pretty close now, but, you know, a week out of the season and, and there's a vaccine and everything's kind of back to normal, what happens then? I don't know. Now, the thing is, you're, uh, those teams are bringing other people in, likely, to fill those shoes. Um, you know... There's a stipend or you get a certain opt-out. If you're a high-risk opt-out, I think you get 350 k for the year. If you're uh, just opting out out of um, concern, I guess, of COVID, which is still doable, I think you get 150 k um, So, you know, I think, um, I don't know. I, I don't know the fine print as to whether or not you can opt back in, but I think those guys, you know, if they're making, you know, 25 30 million a season maybe they're not opting out uh but the the ones that are closer to minimum or closer to you know a million bucks or something here and there and you say well i'm still getting 350 i don't have to do anything i can opt out it's a bit safer that way although again you're i would say even if the the fine print and teams are like you're not going to get penalized if somebody comes in and takes your spot and plays well um, there's always that risk of losing your spot. So especially for the ones who aren't making millions of dollars, it's one that, uh, you know, you got to be fairly concerned with. But I think, you know, when you talk about teams and what players are opting out and what players aren't, um, you know, I, I feel like the Patriots organization has made it clear to their players that, and again, this pains me to to play this angle because I don't like the Patriots. I think I know where you're going with this. If they're supporting it and they're saying, you know what, do what's best for you. We understand all this kind of stuff and, and we support you in your opt out versus, you know, other teams that may, you know, ridicule a player or or look down on them or, you know, hint that something else may come about. I'm hearing that with college a lot, the college football uh, programs, I'm hearing stories of coaches, you know, uh, telling players not to report their COVID symptoms. Mm. I'm telling uh, players who are looking to opt out are getting those like backhanded comments that this may affect you in the future, AKA we may cut you or people are being cut because they're opting out. So there's a lot of strong arm tactics. So I'm kind of, I'm taking that, those rumors from the college uh, aspect and tailoring it to the NFL. And what I feel like is still probably rampant is in, a player's decision could be affected but greatly by how the organization, the coaching staff, um, respond to it. And if the Patriots are doing it and a lot of guys are opting out, I feel like the Patriots, from an organization standpoint and from Coach Belichick down, um, are supporting their players in that decision and not holding it against them. Yeah, I would have to say that, you know, when you have – Highly, certainly Belichick's notorious for his defensive prowess. He, you know, he doesn't really offensively. He he lets the offense he, to you know he lets Josh McDaniels handle the uh, the offense, but defensively is where he really puts his fingerprints all over the uh, all over that team. And to have your stud linebacker, your stud safety, two two team captains actually, if I'm not mistaken, Chung and Hightower, you know, back out of the season. That's that's a big deal. And you know, I think. In their mind, it's like, well, okay, you know, this season was kind of a 50-50 toss-up anyway. We're definitely in transition from from our, our Brady years 
We don't even know what we're going to look like. So this is the year to uh, make a choice now so we can sort of move forward and, and draft. But like you said, these guys could lose their positions. You know, a guy can come in. And of all the of all the organizations, I don't – loyalty is not the word that comes to mind when I think of Bill Belichick. It's plug and play. It's you didn't do your job this year. We're going to find someone that can do it. I mean, Tom Brady did his job at a high, high level for 20 years, so he never got replaced. But if you look around him, everyone else did. If you didn't perform for one season, he got someone to come in there. So it's an interesting, ah, boy, it's a really interesting thing. And, you know, if I look, I'm looking at this list here on my phone. It's not even close. Like every other team has two players, one player, two players. There are three teams in the NFL that had nobody drop out. Atlanta, looks like Atlanta, the Chargers, and Pittsburgh, oddly enough. Um, everybody else, it's been literally a player here, a player there. You know so dropped, I'm fat. Uh, for the uh, Indianapolis Colts who opted out? I'm just covering this because Chris Couture has asked for Colts stuff. Uh, talking about the Pats. A linebacker, Sky Moore. Yeah. Sky Moore was um, probably making less than 350K. I'm just, I, I yeah. have no clue. But if I'm making minimum wage, I'll, I'll take the 350 and stay home. Roland Milligan. He's a DB and another, and a, and a cornerback, Marvell Tell. I've mean, I never heard of these guys before, but those are your Indianapolis Colts dropping out. But anyway, I found it fascinating. Uh, what do you, what do you, do you do you think the players? I, this is an argument I've seen online a lot, and I don't know if I agree with it because it's not like it's not like the we go to our jobs and have to tackle and be basically groped by by other people. The argument is, well, look, I got to go to work. You know, my my employers not forcing me to go to work, but basically saying, "Okay, we're ready. We've have we have safety protocols in place. It's time for you to come back to work, Joe Smith." Their argument is, "Well, if I can go back to work, why aren't these guys mandated to go back to work?" And what's your take on that? Like mandating the athletes to go back to work? Yeah, say, so look, look, uh, uh, you know, C.J. Mosley. No, you're coming back to work, or you don't get paid, or you're cut, or fired, or whatever. I mean, it's different if, you know, would you, let's say, when are you going back to work? Uh, I don't, nothing official, but I'm hoping after Labor Day. Okay, let's say, whatever, take somebody who's back at work right now, at their job. You say, okay, you're, you're back at work. Are there fifty to 100,000 fans going to be gathering around your work because you're back at work? You know what I mean? Or just like in my mind, yeah, but no, yeah, I know. Or yeah. you know, if you, the schools, the schools are a big issue, and you say, okay, why aren't uh, you know, uh, why isn't my wife back at work? She works in the office at the at the high school. And you say, well, that's because you're going to be an extra two thousand kids all around because that congregates that way. If your job doesn't deal with that kind of stuff, doesn't bring that sort of attention, it's a different story. Like, I don't know. Unless oh, there's no you. bubble I... on it. There's no bubble. So when we talk about football, you know, they don't have precautions in place to handle the whole league like the NHL and the, and the NBA have done, which I think they've done a great job about it. But we've watched MLB. We see guys getting infected. And there are no fans at that one. As much as, you know, people like to believe those cardboard cutouts at the Braves games – you know, look great, which is you know, kudos. I love the creativity. But if, you know, the NFL players, you're manning them to come back and you say, okay, now you got 50,000 people at a game together to watch it. It's just, it's, 
it's adding more risk to it. So it's not the same at all. And, and yeah, I would, I totally disagree with that argument. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, look, it's not. And on top of that, the sport itself is inherently like, you know, close quarters. Yeah. You know, you're, you're face to face. Linemen are spitting on each other for crying out loud. Like it's, it's not the same. And it, that goes for every sport. I think, uh, you know, maybe baseball aside, but hockey, basketball, and football are, are contact sports, different le- varying levels of contact, but you're making contact with somebody. You're certainly within mouth range of uh, ingesting droplets or, or contracting whatever. Like it, so Al Pacino it's, said it's, it best, it's, man. It's the six inches in front of your face. Yeah, you know, uh, Friday Night Lights. Any given no. Sunday, man. Any given Sunday. Ah. I thought about it, and I didn't want to steal your thunder. You know when you do those like ah. TikTok things? I was going to try and do the yeah. whole... The whole Pacino speech. I knew it by heart for a long time. That movie gets better and better the more you watch it. And the further really I does. got in football, the more I was like, oh, this is not that far-fetched. I used to know the, every word to the Willie Beeman rap song there. Oh, Steven Willie Beeman. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Barry Trotz, head coach of the New York Islanders, is totally in favor of maintaining a 24-team playoff system. You, you cool with that? You liking what you're seeing right now? So the same exact format, the round robin for the, f- the top four, and then... He didn't specify format. He likes the idea of 12 teams from each division getting, uh, getting in, the, uh, in the dance versus eight. I mean, what we're seeing right now from the, the teams that are in there are exactly like the worst fears kind of come to fruition for a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, where they're like, the... You can still probably hear me, but this GoPro shuts itself off for once in a while. Let's see if I can get it back on. But the Habs are a team that have no business being there. Agreed. And But it's such a short tournament that they're a team that doesn't belong, but they also have a goalie who, in the right setting, can steal a series. And he's doing exactly that. You've killed some momentum from Pittsburgh during that break. So they're a team that was moving along really well with injuries and saying, you know what, we're coming off of, uh, we're getting guys back. We're just going to continue to roll like that whole snowball effect and they say, boom, we stop. Montreal, a yeah. chance to rebound and, and rest and get guys back and figure it out. Now it's a short series and now it's a number 12 seed who is on the verge of beating a number five, which, I mean, we see in March Madness all the time, but they had no business being there three months ago, four months ago. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now that the NHL is in a real pickle with this uh, NHL draft system now. If Pittsburgh or Edmonton, who are both on the verge and of elimination, Edmonton. and to throw in the Jets in there too, that they're they're a top team that are on the verge. If those guys get Alexi Lafreniere, I mean, we really have to look at this 2020 as being a real hot mess for some of these franchises that we're banking on the number one pick or at least in a top three pick. Now we're looking at like a team that really has no business picking number one, possibly picking number one. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. And I was having a conversation today on on our uh, on our UC uh, Facebook page, just analyzing what the Edmonton Oilers have drafted over the years. In 2010, it was like Taylor Hall, I think yeah, uh, Nugent Hopkins, Yakupov, who's been a complete bust, and then two years later, McDavid. It, now you throw in Lafreniere. I mean, talk about an embarrassment of riches, but um, I, I like more teams in the playoffs than not. 
especially since hockey for me, the sport itself is, uh, uh, it's really tough to watch a, a seven game series. I find in hockey, I don't think your goalie can steal a seven game series, but I think a goalie can steal a five game series. So if they were, if they do in my mind, expand to a, a 12 team uh, per side, 24 team playoff, I think the first round has to stay a best of five. It's so exciting. I mean, I'm, I, I haven't enjoyed hockey like this, and I can't remember the last time, really, because it is a best of five. And, I mean, the Habs can put away the Penguins tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, hey. Who saw that coming? Not you. No, I I was the biggest Habs critic. But, uh, what again, a perfect segue. Habs are up 2-1. So are the Hawks. The Hawks are up 2-1 on the Oilers, which I think is – I think it's a surprise to many, but not a surprise to people who've been watching the NHL the last two months before the lockdown. The Hawks have been the best team since the All-Star break. Um, what? Which one's crazier? Which one could? Uh, let me ask you this: Which one is crazy, and which one is predictable out of those two uh, series in particular? Well, I think the, it's the the Habs are the crazy one, and I think the 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 Blackhawks is a is a predictable one. Um, again, just given the the veterans on the the Blackhawks team, the, the the experience they have in playoffs, the rest that these older guys would have gotten over the last three four months, um, and I think from a, a defensive standpoint, you know, I think the Blackhawks are generally a little bit better and a little bit more solid back there. So if you can contain, which we've seen McDavid and his goals in Game Two. Um, it's extremely hard to do, but if you can contain him to any sort of degree, um, I think that's what, after that, I think the Blackhawks kind of dominate through the lineup. Now, the Montreal one is, you know, I say it's surprising, but it's also predictable to a point, too. It was kind of like that perfect storm going into it, and the Penguins knew that. They were complaining about the, the format to begin with. They weren't for it. And, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with, shit, we got to go against Montreal, and Carey Price can and has the ability of being a beast and, and a series stealer, and he's showing that right now. So is that oh, Drew Is that Drew that cut his hair? And uh... Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's the first couple of games, but he really turned it on last game. Yeah. But uh, the, Habs, the Habs lack, for the first time in the third period last game, I, I saw the Habs be, play aggressive. Uh, on the penalty kill, on the power play. When I say aggressive, I mean right up on the puck. And their penalty kill, their defensive system is really like ro- uh, rope-a-dope. It's, you know, we'll take your best shot. We've got the best goalie in the world. And then we sort of pounce when we have our opportunity. But, you know, you're, they're not talented enough to do that. So I think I think somewhere along the lines between the last, the second period, between the second period and the end of the, end of the third when they actually won, somewhere someone said something. And so we got to be aggressive. We got to attack them at every chance. And it's the first time I've seen the Habs play bigger than they are because they're not very big. It's, they're a small team by all accounts. They have a big, slow defense, but they played well. I was, I was thoroughly impressed, and I've been really impressed with Kotkaniemi and uh, and the other kid Suzuki, mm. whose names have come up in the Lafreniere trade potential if the Habs don't get the number one pick. Rumor out of Montreal is that they're gonna they're gonna offer the house for Lafreniere, number one draft picks for the next couple of years. Uh, Caden Primo, their goalie in the minors, plus a young player that's NHL ready like Cole Caulfield, Suzuki, or Kotkaniemi, one of those guys. So it's gonna be really interesting moving forward. But uh, 
I, I'm with you. I think the Habs was a, a little bit of a, a surprise. I thought the Pens were going to destroy him. And I think the Habs have to be happy, even if they lose this series. They have to be happy with how things have gone. They have to be. And the, the Blackhawks, for sure, might have been predictable. But I mean, we're looking at Seabrook and Keith and Taves and uh, Taves Kane. Taves looked really good. Like some of his, Taves looked really good. His, yeah. Anyway, he's looked quick. His Goalie. hands looked great. His, uh, some of the moves he's Debris. done, just you know, vintage Taves from yeah. eight years ago. But they're well surrounded. You know, Debrinkit's played well. The goalies, they all have NHL uh, Stanley Cup pedigree on that team. So, uh, anyway, very interesting to see. I, I am cheering for the Oilers because I want to see as many Canadian teams stick, in, stick around. But um, NBA, I won't, I won't talk too much of the NBA because they're still in sort of, uh, they're jockeying for position is right. what they're really doing with these last few games. But uh, the Raptors have been 3-0 and and they've been so impressive. And they're finally... Finally, this might deserve an air horn, so be on the ready. They're finally getting some um, media coverage, some kudos from the from our friends down south. Which, as you and I know, has been well overdue. I mean, they won the damn thing last year for crying out loud. They've been so they've been so uh, ignored and looked over and. I just it's an it's an embarrassment. And even the coaches had a had a poll where they vote for the coach of the year. And Nick Nurse finished finished third. Now, mind you, Billy Donovan and uh, the the coach from Milwaukee, Budden Budenholzer, Budenholzer, those two guys were uh, co winners of the league voted coaches uh, coaches award. But Nick Nurse deserves a hell of a lot of credit. You lose your best player, and you replace him with three journeymen, and you're still second in the conference. I mean, wow. Yeah, I think Nick Nurse has done a great job. And he seems to really connect with the team and sort of have a real good, I don't know what they call it, the finger on the pulse of the team and and know what his kids are are feeling and and tailor his coaching and, and his style to it. Um, you know, give them the breaks when they need it. And, and, you know, again, being able to understand when to pamper and when to be hard on, on players, uh, it's not even as a team, it's individual players, is something that is a, is a rare feat for coaches, a rare talent, and he seems to have that. So um, as long as he's, he's got that, I think he's going to get the most out of the team. And the team's got a lot of talent, a lot of upside. Kyle Lowry, uh, best player in Raptor history? Longevity, It'd be tough and to argue. Career. Yeah, leadership is longevity is production. I mean, it's got to be somebody on the team that brought the championship. It's really hard to argue that. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's really making a case for it. I don't. I mean, everybody will fight for, or fight. They'll have guys like Vince Carter and stuff on there, and because of, um, you know, what he's done in terms of. You know, I mean, the Grizzlies and the Raptors kind of came at the same time, right? And, yep. you know, you get a guy like Vince in Toronto versus what they had in Vancouver, and we still have a team in Toronto and not in Vancouver because there's some excitement around that. There's some, um, you know, it, it was a, a highlight reel. It was something that was current. So that what he did in that sense I think is pretty good. But I think overall, I mean, Lowry from a basketball production standpoint, um, yeah, I think he would be – right at the top of the list. 
Yeah, he, right now uh, he's playing the maybe the best basketball of his career. He does everything, right? He's never been a high flyer, but he shoots a really good clip uh, beyond the arc. He takes charges. He gets steals. He's a team leader out there. He's afraid of nobody. Like, I mean, he's afraid of nobody. He could be in a building in the middle of Philadelphia, people chanting at him, yelling at him, and he's going to go and shoot one in your face, and he's going to tell you how it felt. Like, I'm, I am so impressed with him the last couple of years, and he's changed his body, right? Like, he, he's lost a lot of weight, and he's been able to maintain, extend his career. He's playing at a really, really, really high level. Uh, big fan. I think, if you ask me today, and now that if DeRozan had stuck around and they won a championship with DeRozan, it would be a that would be a hot topic. But you know he isn't, and they won without him. I think Lowry is going to get a statue in front of ACC. Book it. Um, okay, I, I will take your boy. The odds, Le- but your boy LeBron. Um, he's playing extremely well. Um, the Lakers as, as a whole are in big trouble. The point guard position is a real issue. Ray John Rondo's hurt. He's supposed to come back, but he may not be back before the first round of the playoffs. So right now they have a mishmash. Their starting lineup is is this. It's JaVale McGee at center, who uh, is the all-time Shaq and a Fool champion. Um, Anthony Davis, as we know. LeBron James playing the small forward. And then they have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And, oh, geez, I can't even name the other guy. Oh, and Danny Green. I think... The Lakers have no chance if they don't get point guard play. I think the King should play point guard. He could play any position. He could play any position. And he's, well, and many would say he's the best passer in NBA history next to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Uh, You put him at point guard, you know, the ball's in his hands. You're likely going to have somebody bigger who has to guard him. So you don't have to worry about the little guys, you know. Those little guys can really be a pest on the defensive end like Patrick Beverly. If you, you put a, a bigger, you force the other team to play a bigger player on him, and then you just go with a little, a slightly bigger lineup because right now they're a mess. And they went ahead in the last couple of weeks and signed a bunch of journeymen, J.R. Smith, Dion Waiters, who's played really well, really well. Great pickup. Not a big fan of the J.R. Smith signing because he's taken minutes from other guys. And Markeith Morris, who's, uh, who's kind of an in-betweener, is like a small forward, power forward. He, good pickup. But they're having to play these guys big minutes now because their point guard position is just a mess. So I think the King should play point guard. What are you? Th- what are your thoughts on the King moving from small forward, where he doesn't have to worry about handling the ball so much, to point guard, where he's got to bring it up and he has to run the offense? You got to do what you got to do. Like your best player is LeBron James. He can yes. handle the ball. It's not like he doesn't have that skill set. So would you rather? have somebody who is less talented bring the ball down and likely turn over and not even be able to get the ball to LeBron James, it's like a receiver. You know, if you have an, a super athlete and you're like, you know what, like a Mike Vick, maybe he's a great receiver, he's super fast, and you're like, you know what, let's put him receiver. You say, well, we still need a quarterback that can get him the ball. When he's yeah. at quarterback, he gets the ball every single play, and then if he's got to dish it, he dishes it. But if not, he's got the ball in his hands. He can make something happen. Same idea. Put the ball in his hands. He will dish when he needs to dish. But he then has it to, to do whatever he wants with. And the, the, more, the, the more percentage, the higher percentage of the ball being in LeBron's hands is better for the Lakers. Period. I, 
I agree with you 100%. In fact, if they're not going to do anything, if they're just going to leave everything status quo and keep with that same starting lineup, which is which will I, I'm telling you now will will not win a championship, won't even get them out of the West. If they're going to go with that Contavious Caldwell Pope Danny Green backcourt, you better get the ball to LeBron the minute you pass half court. Get him the ball. Get the hell out of the way. The ball's in his hands. They can start the offense from from without him having to dribble up the basketball. So they they better figure out a way to get him the ball early. Maybe some pick and roll with Anthony Davis. Forget the rest of the guys. It's not a talented roster outside of those two fellas. So uh, Dwight Howard has played very well. So I'm, I'm if they could just put him in the starting lineup and figure out a way to make it work with the two bigs, you can still work that system in today's NBA if you're smart. And Frank Vogel's a great coach. Anyway, I digress. Um, I think we both agreed the, ball, the more LeBron handles the ball, the better. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, who plays for the Brooklyn Nets or was signed by the Brooklyn Nets and will likely play next year because he's uh, sitting out another year with his bad Achilles. Kevin Durant, their team is in the playoffs. They're an eight seed, the Nets. Okay, They actually beat Milwaukee the other night. He went ahead and said, I think the Clippers and Bucks are going to make the finals. Now, his team is about to play the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. If you're somebody on the Brooklyn Nets, are you pissed? Uh, it all depends. Because if I'm on the Brooklyn Nets and I know that we suck. Like, I, you've been on teams that are... I know, you're laughing because the thing went off again. I don't know why. <laughs> no, no, I just... <laughs> <laughs> but... Okay. If you, like, you've been on teams that you know are not championship caliber teams. So if you say you think, you know, the other two these other two teams are going to be in the finals, I mean it's it's because you understand that you're not there yet, but also you say, you know what? You're downplaying it. You think it's them, so you're already like, okay, so the the it's almost like you're making yourself the underdog, which you are. Maybe you're firing up a few other guys on the team. Maybe, you know what I mean? It's, it's like you're, you're taking that pressure off. It's, you understand. You say, you know what? Yeah, We're in the I playoffs. Guess. These two teams are probably going to be in the finals because they're stacked and they're phenomenal. So for us to have a chance of beating them is going to be, you know, very tough to do. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know what? We're going to beat them and just give them something else to kind of fire up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe yeah, I'm reading too yeah, much I in guess. it, but I just – we, you know you're not there. If you win, that doesn't mean he's not going to play hard. That doesn't mean he's not going to expect his team to come out and, and compete. He's just realistic about it. And there's no, there's no advantage of saying, no, I think we're going to win and, and be in the finals and beat these teams. There's no advantage to that, whether strategically, mentally. It's, there's, there's nothing of an advantage there. So, yeah, I don't know. I have nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that. I, you know what? I, a lot of things I, I hear on uh, athletes say that they just I just sort of brush it off. This one, this one stuck a little bit, just a little bit. And I, because I, I, I don't like your team is about to play. They're in the playoffs. They're an eight seed. Eight seeds have come up with miracles in the past. Denver Nuggets, nineteen ninety four. You know, a very a non talented team with Dikembe Mutombo, and that was pretty much it. Ended up being beating Kemp and Walt and Chris Payton. I was going to say Walter Payton. Um, you know, that was a it's a situation where they could beat Milwaukee, but he just predicted Milwaukee to make the finals. Right. So he's basically saying my team has no chance to win this first round. 
Like I would have just played. I, you know what? I would have been like, look, I, I I'm not going to predict in the East. I think the Clippers will come out of the West in the East. I'm hoping my team puts a puts in a good run here and uh, and maybe surprises somebody in the first round. He just predicted the team that his team's going to play in the first round to make the finals. So he's just told his team, look, you guys have no chance, you, even though you just beat them last night with their full squad. Like I. The, I, I get what you're saying. In the hindsight, I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. I'm sure he's like, we're going to give it our best shot, but you know, the Bucks are, are probably going to make the finals out of the. Every, I think everybody knows that, but like, it's just what message are you sending? I don't know. He's yeah. he's not giving the Bucks any more ammunition or billboard material or anything like that. Where it's like, you know what? It's this big guy is going to fight a small guy. And it's the small guy saying, he's probably going to kick my ass. And the big guy beating okay. you up, but maybe mm-hmm. not destroying you. But if the little guy okay. like, starts talking smack to the big guy, what happens? The big guy is obviously going to try harder. So that chance that you had of beating him is maybe not as, as, uh, as relevant at that point. Like, yeah. I, I have nothing. I have no problem with KD doing that. You know, what he says to the media and how he answers questions versus what he is in the locker room. He used to be like, I just said the Bucks are going to win. I just whatever. Like, maybe my teammate gets fired up because of that. Maybe, you know, I'm saying something different on the other side. And it's, again, it's a, it's a, not even a, it, maybe it is a strategic thing where it's like, look, I just want to downplay it. Like when you talk about, uh, who was it, uh, beating Seattle? Um, the Nuggets. The Nuggets. The Nuggets didn't go and talk a bunch of shit to Gary Payton or, um, you know, t- tell Gary Payton how they're going to beat him and then get the glove all mad and say, okay, whoops, uh, woke up somebody who's already overlooking us to the next round. No, they didn't. They played quiet and they just did their job. And all of a sudden it was, oh, my God, I can't believe they beat us. There's nothing wrong with that. And if anything, it should be great for a team like Toronto. It's like, F no, I was just gonna say. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. you think the Bucks gonna do it? We're gonna knock them out too. You know what I mean? Like yep. it, again, it's now it's Billboard material for the for the Raptors or whatever. Just it's us against the world and you know, we the North and try and beat them. But whatever. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with what he said. Yep. I, Even I, as a teammate you know standpoint, there's nothing wrong with what he said. I like uh, I like pissing Toronto off because let me tell you. The East is in, is in for a rude awakening with the Toronto Raptors. So, uh, like, say all the shit you want, guys. Milwaukee's the best, all this nonsense. Toronto is the best team in the East. They're the most they're the most balanced, the deepest, and the best coached. If you ask me, Toronto is coming out of the East. You could book it. Well, um, if the Bucks are listening to this, you're going to come ah, out of the, the East. Bucks. It just backfired. Everything I just said of what KD was doing, you just... Sh- <laughs> Took a dump on it, and now the Bucks are pissed. There you go. Listen, I, the Clippers and Lakers are going to have their hands full because, uh, and this is just the Rockets and Blazers and Nuggets are like shooting the lights out in the in the West. the The Rockets the other night <laughs> attempted sixty one threes. Uh, that's unheard of. I watched five minutes of their game the other night, and they've hoisted up threes on six straight possessions. Wasn't that it was their, incredible? Isn't that their game philosophy? Is just if we can it is, sink, but, it may be less percentage, but we're getting three points every time. We're we're gonna win. Like we'll beat you yes. one hundred and fifty to one hundred and forty nine kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's and it's fun to watch because the uh, 
they spread the floor really well, right? They have, well, they have no choice because their their tallest player is PJ Tucker at six seven. So actually, they just signed Jeff Green, who's six eight. So they go small. They're the smallest team in the NBA, and they go small, and they they don't necessarily outrun you. They just spread the floor, and the ball moves around, and uh, they'll drive and kick, drive and kick, and they'll shoot threes all day. It's very interesting. But the the Blazers have a um, Yosef Nurkic. He's a lot like the the kid from. Um, the from, from the Denver Nuggets, Nokic. They're centers who pass the ball first, and they're like, ah, they're, they're like point guards in a center body, and, and their offense runs through these guys. So they like guys like Melo and CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are getting open looks, open looks with these guys. So I think we're seeing teams try to mimic what the Warriors have done in the last five years. And we, when let the Warriors, when they won their first championship five, four or five years ago, they had Andrew Bogut at center, who's again uh, a great passer, a pass first, good rebounder, good shot blocker, a center that doesn't need the ball. I think we're seeing teams sort of look for these skilled big guys who maybe can shoot the three a little bit more than ever before. And the Clippers and Lakers are going to have their hands full, men. I, I wasn't a fan of this style of play, but it, it seems to be working. And if they can get, you know, if that team like that can get to the finals, you know, we're going to see every team switch to that system. Hey, I mean, if you're going to emulate a system, the Warriors for the last few years is one you probably want to do. No doubt. Steve Kerr deserves a lot of credit. You know, actually, Mark Jackson coached the the Warriors just before Steve, Steve Kerr took over. And the whole... F- the framework of their offense, Mark Jackson needs a little bit of credit. I'm surprised Mark Jackson doesn't have a job yet. I mean, I'm I'm shocked that he doesn't have a, an NBA head coaching job. So there must be more to that. Um, tonight, the Leafs and Jackets, they're tied at one to play at 8 o'clock. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to take the Leafs. Yeah? Yeah. I, I'm not imp- I haven't been impressed with the Blue Jackets. They're definitely not as talented as they were last year. They've, you know, they don't have uh, – the. I, his name slips my mind. They got him from Ottawa for uh, for a playoff run. What the heck was his oh, name? Uh, Flino. No, the flash. He was playing with oh, Ottawa. Um, Sniper. He was from Colorado. Oh, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, I keep thinking Duchesne, but not. Uh... Anyway, Matt Duchesne. Is it Matt Duchesne? Yeah, you yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Um. So they're not as talented. I'm going to go with the Leafs. There's a there was a trade rumor today with the Leafs that if they don't win, Michael Nylander's on his way out. I don't know if you heard that. Whatever. It's big money. It is big money. There's too much money yeah. involved in like wrapped up in too few players within Toronto. I have to agree. So guys are going to have to go, and Nylander would be probably one of my guys to to pick to go anyway. Flames 2-1 over the Jets. They can put them away. Surprise? Happy? Sad? What do you uh, think? I'm, I don't know. I think it is what it is. I think that's where it's supposed to be. I think with uh, Shifley going down early, I think that really took a, a big chunk of Winnipeg uh, out and obviously Buffalo not playing and that kind of stuff. Those They would have had to play at the top of their game and have everybody show up, and you already lost you know, some key components there. So I, I just think that uh, Winnipeg's outmatched. Calgary looks pretty good, energetic, and yeah, it's a, it's a tough series. But I think that's where it should be right now. Canucks are 2-1 over the Wild after a big win today. Brock Besser scored a goal and then looked up to the heavens and uh, saluted a friend of his who had died in a car accident 
on this day six years ago. Uh, cool stuff. I thought that was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry that he had to live through that. It's never easy to live through a friend dying. But uh, what a way to celebrate uh, his friend's life by scoring a goal and uh, pointing up to the heavens. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Canucks are up 2-1 on the Wild. Uh, I, the Wild are an old team, man. They, got, they still have Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl won the Cup in 2006 with the Hurricanes. That's a long career for today's NHL, don't you think? 14 years? It's a long career. He's still with them? I thought the- He's still with them. Well, doesn't Carolina have two Stahl brothers? There's, yeah, they do, but not, not Eric. And they also have Zach Parisi, who has um, had a major, major back surgery a couple of years ago to the point where he couldn't even touch his toes. And uh, he's recovered from that. He doesn't. He's a shell of his former self. But uh, you know that wild team is uh, their veteran team. I don't think they have the horses. So I'm hoping the Canucks move on because uh, the more Canadian teams, the better. Are you looking up Eric Stahl? I was looking at the Stahl brothers. So is it Jared and Mark? Well, they got Jared, Eric, Jordan. There's a Mark Stahl. Jordan Stahl and oh anyway. my god, Jordan and Mark are the two guys that played with. Uh, I think Ra- one Mark of them played, played with the Rangers, Rangers and one played for Carolina. Okay, um, I mean Eric used to be with the, with the the Hurricanes when he first started. I remember being at the All Star yeah, game in, Edmonton, in Atlanta, and it was Mark Stahl was the younger of the three, and he was like sitting in the row behind me because he wasn't in the NHL yet. Yeah. And now they're just uh, they've played over a decade each. I think now. Have you watched any of the round robin, the top four teams? Not really. I've watched some of it, but no. it's uh, why? Why have I watched it? Why haven't you watched um, it? Because there's a lot, a lot of hockey on, and it doesn't really doesn't really affect a whole lot at this point because it's the series, it's the elimination stuff that you watch. Um, and I don't think there's any Canadian teams in the. In the round robin, isn't there? Because the Leafs are in an elimination. Nope. Calgary, Winnipeg elimination. Montreal elimination. Vancouver elimination. So, yeah. yeah, that's probably why I haven't either. Because there's no Canadian team. Nobody I have. Like, I have no horse in the race from a round robin standpoint. And, yep. you know, we all know this year, more than anything, that the seeding is not necessarily a huge advantage. Right? No. So, I don't really no. care what the round robin, those top four end up. I want to know who's going to be in the next round. So that's what I'm watching. I haven't been following too much those top four, but I mean, by the looks of things, uh, you know, Philly's looking good. Carter. Tampa. Um, Wa- Carter, Carter Hart Hart's playing is, out of his mind. He's 21 and he looks I know. so calm, cool, collected. Again, yeah. you know, another you know, world junior kid that I remember watching and I was like, kid's going to be all right. And he's wearing 79, which I really like, but um, yeah, uh, he's looked really good. Yeah, uh, Boston hasn't. Boston's zero and three in this round robin, so uh, maybe something there. I, I, now they might be missing a player. Is Pasternak? Play, they might be missing. And Pasternak was leading the league in goals, so that's a big deal if he's not playing. But I think Rask has looked a little shaky. Halak played one of those games yeah, as well. The last so, game. yeah, they're ripe for the picking. So um, tonight. Uh, this is the last thing I had on my agenda here, Brock. Tonight, the Ottawa Blackjacks play their first game. They qualified for the elimination series. So that first round robin, 
they qualify. They beat the Saskatchewan Rattlers the other night to qualify. So now tonight is the elimination round. So they, you lose, you're done. Already. And it's, it's, yeah, it starts in... Uh, seven minutes ago. Starts in... They have started. Yeah, 7.30. They tip off against the, uh, the Guelph... Uh, I can't remember the, na- the name of that line. They're... they're their mascot, but uh, the Guelph the team. Guelph team. Uh, so that's so seven thirty tip off. Ottawa Blackjacks. Um, they started off rough. They were, I think, they were zero and two, but they've they've you know they found their legs. You know these teams, they're an expansion team. I don't care if they've played with each other in college. You know it's a whole new group, a whole new dynamic, whole new league. Yeah. They're an expansion team. But Phil Scrub, the Scrub brothers are playing well. Phil Scrub, uh, sorry Thomas Scrub in particular, What's that real big guy. Um, um. I watch him in game. Landry? No, he's uh Shaq yes, Keith? Big Shaq. Yeah, yeah he's he great. Is great. Big Shaq. Very good player. Good hands. So the, they're on right now. I'm pretty excited to watch it. Um, Brock, I'm, I've been pretty impressed with the, our system here, uh, apart from your GoPro. <laughs> GoPro can go uh, whatever. It's out. I'm flipping, go yeah, screw I'm flipping off. cameras yeah. next time. The hell with it. But we've had no, uh, we've had no glitches. We've had no stops in, in play. No Wi-Fi fuzziness. Your no nothing. Been spot I mean, this on, has been but great. It's uh, way better. So yeah. I'm gonna flip this camera. The only thing I gotta do, or we gotta figure out, is if your remote. How do we do? Because inevitably, with sports, there's gonna be highlights. There's gonna be clips. There's gonna be stuff we want to talk about and show visually, and that's the part that I gotta figure out from a Skype. Maybe it's it's just using Zoom or whatever. Anyway, something we gotta play with. Yeah. But. No problem. I don't mind using the, Zoom. The sound so. is better. Again, Zoom should be fairly stable. Again, if you're plugged in, should be great. Um, yeah. Anyway, with uh, with all that, I mean, that basically wraps up our show. Um, thoughts and prayers. You didn't talk anything about the explosion in Beirut. Uh, crazy. Again, I don't have the clip of the uh, explosion, but one of the most impressively disastrous videos I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I don't even know how all that stuff happened. I don't even think they know how it happened yet, but, um, obviously, you know, our yeah. thoughts and prayers go out to, uh, uh, the Beirut community. Um, yeah. it, anyway, I was speechless. Was can, uh, if, if I can say my homeland, uh, we're, it, we're run both, we're run by a, a very corrupt government and, uh, it's no secret that, the government is extremely corrupt in Lebanon. You know, it's they're they're top heavy, and the middle class don't don't get a penny from the government. Uh, I don't want to make this political, but it's been it's the the world's worst kept secret. You know, I think it was 2014. Um, Rafiq Hariri was voted in. He was going to be um, he was going to make change, real change for the people, and he was assassinated within two months of of being in office. Uh, devastating. The government launched an inquiry to his assassination and came up with nothing. You know, that's the kind of government <clears throat> that's running the, the country of Lebanon. How is this related to an explosion? Well, you know, you have 2,700 2, metric tons of a very explosive element or whatever it is, fertilizer, being stored inadequately in an area that's susceptible to attack. We don't know what the hell happened right now. The investigation is still underway. It's going to be months before they come up with conclusion, whether it was in somebody who set it off. or You don't just have fires. It doesn't just happen that way. 
well, there was a fire in the fi- in the fireworks uh, warehouse, and that, that that carried over into the. It doesn't work that way. There's got to be more to this story. And my thoughts and prayers are to everybody in in my homeland. I have family there that are live in the village, and they're okay. But this thing had a reverberation that would be equivalent to a bomb going off in Orleans and your windows being blown out at the Corral Center. If you want to put it in perspective. That's how that's how far that thing reached. And what, what we saw on TV, it looked like it was only a, flu, a few blocks, but it was actually gr- far greater than that, the impact of that reverberation. And, uh, you know, they, the death toll is going to rise. I mean, it's at 137 now, but it's 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 unfortunately going to be a lot higher. And the country just can't catch a break. We're caught in the middle of a holy war where we're located with between different countries. We're, we're often uh, a guinea pig for terrorists to come and reload um, because we're, we're, we're pussycats. Like, you can come and do whatever you want here. And it's, it's a country that needs help. It's a good people. They're a good people in Lebanon, good, hardworking, family-oriented people. And it, the people you see in, in Quebec and in Ottawa um, and in Toronto, there's a big Lebanese community in Toronto. Um, they are who they are. They're hardworking people. And those people, you, you transplant them into Lebanon, they're the exact same people. So my thoughts and prayers to all the victims and uh, to my family. I, I hope you guys are, are, are well and, uh, and safe. And what can I say? It's just a, it's just a disaster. Yeah, it's uh, sad all around. So we're, uh, again, thinking of, of them. And hopefully, uh, I know Canada's got a plan to uh, send some aid in one way or another. So that plan will come out in the next little yeah. while. But in the meantime, it's a, it's a search and rescue type thing over there. So uh, again, a huge disaster and our hearts go out to uh, everybody over there. Um, well, I wasn't really expecting to go out on that note. So the music that I had is nowhere near appropriate for that. <laughs> so maybe what we'll do is we'll just kind of end it. I, uh, uh, I'm cool with that. Uh, on a somber note, I'm yeah. cool with that. Um, so anyway, uh, to our listeners, appreciate it. Uh, this is going to be, oh my God, is it toast? Did I just lose it? It's perfect per- timing. This is perfect timing. We're out. <laughs> That's the end of this episode. It was a test one, but we'll share it on the actual page. Um, and I'm back. Uh, GoPro. Go to hell. Anyway. <laughs> Go to hell. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Thanks for Thanks for listening, everybody.